Ashley, appreciate that. If you need a handout tonight, go ahead and slip up your hand. We have some in the back if you would like one. Help you follow along here as we go. Mark chapter 10. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10 tonight. I ask you to join me, join me there if you don't mind. And uh, I wanted to send out a, uh, just a greeting, actually, to um, uh, many of you, I'm sure, remember uh, Pastor Proper, Cliff and, Cliff and, and Lorraine Proper. And um, they, they uh, moved a number of years ago up to Pennsylvania to live with their daughter, near their daughter. But I was talking to them just I don't know, a couple weeks ago, maybe, I guess. And um, they said they still watch. They still watch. Uh, they go to their church on Sunday mornings, but they still watch us on Sunday nights. And so uh, I wanted to send a greeting to them and uh, let you all know. They, they send their greetings to you all as well. And I uh, wanted me to pass that on to you. They didn't, they didn't ask me to say hi to them, but <laughs> they, did, uh, they did want me to send their greetings. And so I thought, well, this is the easiest way to do that. But we greet them as well. And we miss them. And we're, we're uh, very thankful for them and their ministry as well. So Mark chapter 10, we're going to talk tonight topic that's probably uh, relevant. I, I know it's relevant to every single one of us. Um, we're talking about selfishness tonight, and uh, really tough, uh, may, you know, a little bit of an interesting week for me, working through this and, and preparing and certainly convicting, convicting, convicting direction that we're going uh, tonight, and uh, we'll, we'll go there together. And it's a privilege to, to bring the Word of God as it always is. But I'm going to read the first couple of verses here, verses 32 through 34, uh, and then we'll pray as we get going here tonight. Mark chapter 10, verse 32, now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed, and as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. Jesus speaking now. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. Let's pray. Father, we do ask that you would meet with us tonight. God, I pray that your word would be clear. I pray that I would not get in the way of anything that you would have for us this evening. God, I pray that you would work through your word, that you would convict where conviction is needed. You would challenge where challenge is needed, Lord, that you would, you would even bring specific things to our minds tonight. Father, areas that we can improve, Lord, areas that we, we, have, we, are, we have been sinning against you. God, I pray that it would be a, a profitable time and practical. And Lord, I, I pray that, as always, I would say nothing that your word doesn't say. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I think I, I may, may have shared this uh, before at some point, but I, I think it bears repeating. Um, when my wife, Danielle, gets candy, now sometimes she gets candy from me, sometimes she gets candy from other people, sometimes she even... Uh, buys it for herself, as you might imagine. Uh, maybe I'm sure none of you do that. But um, if she has any candy uh, at home, uh, there's a certain place in our home that that candy usually is, is put. It, it goes in a certain location. And I'm not going to tell you the location in our home, just in case you come to our house and you have the same struggle that I do. Um, but, but where that candy goes, and again, this is usually if, you know, if I buy her some chocolate or something like that, but, but she, sometimes when she puts that candy in a certain location, uh, something very strange uh, and also very magical happens. Okay? Um, 
something very strange, very magical. Uh, first of all, it, it disappears. That's the strange part, okay? It, it, it just magically, uh, it goes away, and, and my wonderful wife has the opportunity to forgive her husband uh, up to 70 times seven times. That's the magical part, so there you go. Um, and, and, and so what, what's, when, now, when that happens, okay, um, now, I'm sure none of you have done that, okay? Don't look at me like that. Uh, I'm sure none of you have, have ever taken your spouse's candy, um, but, but, but it, just pretend for a moment that you would do something like that. If you were to do something like that, what uh, evidence, what, what character trait are, am I, when I do that, okay, how, what am I doing? How am I acting? I'm being very what? You can say it. It's okay. I'm being selfish, okay? I, I am being selfish because I, I, I think, oh, man, that, that, that chocolate, that is so, I like that chocolate. And I, I, I am more concerned about pleasing myself with that chocolate, okay? I'm, I'm not, we're not, it's not a major problem, okay? I'm not asking for help. Um, you know, maybe she is. I don't know. Um, uh, but, but the reality is we are often selfish, all of us. Okay, if we if we are honest with ourselves, we we are selfish, and um, at at different times, what is selfishness? Okay, selfishness is lacking consideration for others. It is con- being concerned chiefly and and primarily with one's own personal profit or pleasure. So being more concerned about yourself than about everybody else. And what we have in our text tonight is a story, from my perspective, as I've read this and studied it over these last few weeks, it is a story about selfishness. Um, Jesus here in our text that we, that we just read, he, he predicts his death for the third time. We've seen this, and I'd like us to look back at these. Uh, I think we have the time. In, Ma- in Mark chapter 8, Look back at Mark chapter 8. I don't have it on the screen. Look back just a couple pages. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus predict, his, predicts his, his death and resurrection for the first time. Okay, he said in verse 31, he began to teach them, this is the very first time that he's doing this now, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed after three days rise again. And he spoke this word openly. Now, what is the response of the disciples when Jesus does this? Well, Peter, Peter speaks on, on, on behalf of all the disciples, and he pulls Jesus aside, and he rebukes Jesus. He began to rebuke him, and, and, but when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, verse 33, he rebuked Peter, saying, get, this is a famous passage where Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. So this is the first time here in, in Mark chapter 8 that Jesus has, has predicted his death and resurrection. Then look at Mark chapter 9. He does it in, both, in, in all, all the three of these chapters, 8, 9, and 10. Look at chapter 9, verse 30. And they departed from there, passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him after he is killed. He will rise the third day. But they did not understand this saying, and they were afraid to ask him. And what follows that second time that Jesus predicts his death and resurrection. The disciples are arguing about what? Who's going to be the greatest? Okay, so, so they're not exactly, they're, they're 0 for 2, right? Not, not great responses to Jesus saying that he is going to be killed. And then here in our text this, this evening, surely by this point, one of the commentaries I read said like, okay, surely by this point they, they, they're, they, they've gotten their act together, right? They're going to, to respond in, in the right way here. And then Jesus, again, as we read here in verses 32 through 34, he, he's predicting his, his death for the third and, and final time. 
But in these texts that we looked at before, each time Jesus predicts his death, the disciples respond in, 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 in surprising ways. Okay, Jesus, Again, Peter rebukes Jesus. They, just, they argue about who's going to be the greatest. And here in this section, they again respond in a, in a what we would say, a very self-centered, selfish way. In, very, in similar fashion to the first two passion predictions that Jesus gave, the disciples misunderstand Jesus. Now, I'll be honest, I think that at times we, we give the disciples a little too much grief. You know, we're a little too hard on them. You know, it's from, from our perspective, we're reading, you know, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? We understand all these things. We see, the, we see the cross. It's all in the past. Now, they were looking towards these things, um, but they're still, I mean, at the, very, at the very least, they are not understanding what Jesus is trying to say. Could we agree with that? They're, they're, not, they're not really getting it, okay? Um, and so here in this text tonight, they, 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 they respond again in a little bit of a surprising way after Jesus again predicts his death. We're going to see first that selfishness is revealed by what we seek. So look at verse 35 with me here. And James and John, again, in response, now they're coming, they're, they're, let's remind ourselves of where we're at here, okay? Um, James and John are with the other ten, ten, the other ten disciples. Uh, Jesus, they are on their way up to where? Jerusalem, right? For the last time, okay? Jesus is making his final journey with his disciples to Jerusalem for the last time. They're on their way up to Jerusalem in the, in the section just after this section that we're looking at tonight. They're going to be very close to Jericho, okay? Which means they're getting close, okay? They're down on the southern end of the Jordan, uh, Jordan River, very close to the Dead Sea. They're getting close uh, to Jerusalem. They're making this journey for the final time, and, and Jesus, it says, if you look back at verse uh, 32, they're on the road. Jesus was going before them. And really what that's saying, and depending on what translation you're using, it might even say Jesus was out, he was walking out ahead of them, which was a very, very normal thing for a teacher, a rabbi to do. He's walking out ahead of them. But notice here in, in verse 35, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. And it's almost as if uh, Mark is saying they, they caught up to him. And let's remind ourselves also where Mark is getting his information from. Who is, Mark, who is Mark's source for this entire gospel? Peter. The Apostle Peter, right? Who would have been among the, among the twelve, of course, and not one of, not, not one of these two guys, of course, but he would have been there and present. And, and Peter probably had a little bit of a, of a burr in his saddle about this, maybe, about this incident, and, and would have, wouldn't have hesitated to share this information with Mark. So, verse 35, we're, we're looking at, at the, the fact that, that selfishness is revealed by what you seek here. Verse 35, teacher, they say, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come to him saying, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask, <laughs> okay? Uh, I think I've mentioned this a few, uh, one, one more time uh, as a parallel passage to a previous text in Mark, um, but, I, but I find this very interesting. I find this very funny, actually, when, when these guys come. Now, James and John, they are, they are known as the sons of what? Thunder, okay? There's the sons of, they're, they're the sons of thunder. They are aptly named the sons of thunder. Um, we're thinking, you know, I have to picture these guys as, as type A personalities, strong personalities. They don't hesitate to speak their mind. They say whatever's coming. I mean, kind of what, the way we think about Peter, honestly. I mean, uh, they, they, Jesus called them, gave them that name, the sons of thunder. He didn't call them the sons of, like, light rain or something, okay? They, they're son, <laughs> they were named the sons of thunder for a reason, okay? They, they had the strong personalities, and they come to Jesus, and they say, teacher, uh, again, rabbi, with the, the normal way that they would address him, and they say, we want you to do whatever we're going to ask for. Now, I don't know if your kids have ever done this, okay? <laughs> but your kids come to you, and they say, hey, we've got a question, and you've got to say yes, 
right? I mean, and I remember doing that. I mean, that, that's, that's what they're doing here. They're coming to Jesus almost and saying, now, Jesus, we've got a question for you, and you, you really need to tell us. You, you want, we, you, we want you to give us the answer that we want, okay? You've got to say yes. Um, and now, notice Jesus in verse 36. He said to them, what do you want me to do? Okay, now, Jesus isn't going to get, he's not going to get painted in a corner here. He, do, he does not say yes. He asks them, okay, well, what is it that you're looking for? What do you want me to do? So James and John, they say to Jesus, verse 37, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. So they're asking a question. What is their question? Can we sit on your right hand and on your left in your glory? Um, I'm going to look, we're just going to look briefly. There's one, one other gospel account that gives us this narrative, Matthew does, in Matthew chapter 20. And he gives us the, the, he gives us the detail that the mother of Zebedee's sons, okay, James and John's the son, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, sons of, son, sons of thunder, same guys, the mother of Zebedee's sons came and, and spoke. Now, this isn't really a problem. I mean, they, they all came together, okay? Matthew just includes the fact that she was part of this, okay? She was part of, one, of asking for, the, making this request, um, many believe that this is, some have speculated that this was uh, Solom, and, and who may very well have actually been a relative of Mary and, and made these guys actually cousins. So I can't say that for sure, but it's interesting to think about. Um, so why would James and John ask this, this question here? They ask what, what we are saying is a selfish question, uh, and I want some feedback on this. I mean, what, what is it that they are looking for? Why do they ask Jesus, can we sit on your right hand and on your left in your kingdom? Again, to be fair to the disciples, um, it, it's, you know, it's possible that they're thinking, they're, they're misinterpreting what Jesus is saying here as far as his death and resurrection that, 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 that's, that's coming, that he is, they are misinterpreting what, what Jesus is saying to be like that his kingdom is coming and it's coming now. And this is their last chance to get their requests in before he sets up his earthly kingdom, which again, many of the disciples thought that, that it was a physical kingdom that Jesus was speaking of that he was planning to set up, possibly. But what would motivate, I mean, even still, what would motivate this kind of request from James and John? Why, why are they asking for this? They've given up everything for you. They've given up everything for Christ, Okay. They want power, okay? What else? What's that? Recognition, sure, yeah. I mean, sounds like a place that you would be seen by other people, right? So maybe, would we say pride, maybe? Okay, so just be, be thinking about that. Um, you know, I've, I've kind of given away that it's, you know, there's some selfishness that's going on here, I would, I would say. But, but what is going on in their hearts that's making them even ask this question? Um, you might even say, what was the desire that was warring within them, as we heard this morning, right? What was their desire? What was their heart's desire that, that, that made them ask this question? Um, they wanted a place of prominence they, they, in, in, in God's kingdom. Pride certainly would have been a motivating factor as well. And unsurprisingly, Jesus gives them a selfless response. Look at verse 38. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? So let's, let's stop there for a second. So um, the cup and the, and the baptism, I gave you a couple of uh, references on your handout there, where, and we're not going to look at them, the first several there. They're, they're just passages where a cup or, or water is used to signify 
uh, either judgment or difficulty. The cup, and of course, the most famous of these passages is Mark chapter 14, verse 36, right? Where Jesus says, Father, all things are possible. Take this cup from me, but nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Thy thy will be done. Um, So, a cup of baptism, a flood of water as, as, as judgment, um, that Jesus is saying here, this, this cup, are you able to, to, to drink this cup? Are you able, I mean, are, is, is this something that, uh, what I'm about to do, are you, and, and what do they say? What's their response? Yeah, sure, no problem. A little bit surprising, um, you know, you think about this for a second, I mean, the way that Jesus responded to these guys in this question, a very forward question, very, very um, assuming of them to, to ask this question, right? How could Jesus have responded? He could have said, seriously? Like, <laughs> you guys, the sons of thunder, you guys think you guys are going to, you're going to sit on my left? I mean, and, and let's understand if you probably know this, but, you know, the, in, in this culture and context, the, the right hand was the most, I mean, of course, the person in the middle, obviously the most central, but the person on the right, most respected, person on the left, second, right? So, very, I mean, we're talking about places with prestige. But Jesus could have looked at these guys, and, and first of all, he says, you know, you don't know what you're asking. Um, and as a, just a quick side note, you know, I mean, it, I think that just the way that Jesus says here, uh, you know, you don't know what you're asking. Isn't that so often the case uh, for us? You know, when we ask Jesus, we ask God for things. And, and so often I think that God probably hears those prayers and he says, you don't, you don't know what you're asking for because he sees the big picture, right? He knows, he know, I mean, and sometimes, I mean, I'm sure most of you have had this experience where you've asked for something, not gotten the request, realized later, oh, if the Lord had actually given me that when I asked for it, that, that would not have been very good. And that's, that's all I mean. But not the point of the passage, but it was an interesting thing, I thought. You know, he, Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking for. Um, but Jesus could have responded and said, who do, you, who do you guys think you are? Where do you get off thinking that you have any right to talk to me like that or to ask me that question? But that's not at all how he responded. He responded with humility. He responded with, the, with this probing question here in verse 38. He says, are you able to drink this cup? And, and the surprising response from the disciples was yes. But, of course, I don't think they had any real idea of what they were signing up for. And as a matter of fact, they got the question right. Jesus says, you will indeed, verse 39, verse, uh, verse 39, we are able, so Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized, you, with you will be baptized. He says, that, that is true. Those things are going to happen. And of course, referring to the fact, I, I would say that both of these men, uh, ironically, James was the first uh, of the apostles to be martyred in Acts chapter 12, verse 2, and it would seem that John was the last uh, who was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Both of these men would suffer. Both of these men w- would ultimately die. And Jesus says, you will. You will drink the cup. You, you will be baptized, 
But, but what's the answer to their actual question? What is, how does Jesus respond to the first, the actual question about being on their right hand and left, on his right hand and left? He says, that's not up to me. And you think about the humility of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, uh, who is now, he, he is subjecting himself in his human person under the, under the, the Father and saying, that, that's not up to me. That's not mine to give. It is for who, those to whom it is prepared. So the disciples, they asked this, this question, and again, they would in, indeed drink the cup, but not, that, that, that cup would not gain them the notoriety that they were looking for. And, and as you can imagine, as these guys are walking along with Jesus, um, what do you think the ten guys behind them are thinking? Right? Um, again, they have walked forward, joined Jesus. They're walking, the three of them walking together. They're asking them, uh, they're asking Jesus this question. Verse 41, the 10 heard it. They began to be greatly displeased with James and John. And I have a feeling that's to put it mildly, right? Greatly displeased. Um, selfishness is also revealed by the way that we react. Um, you know, everything has to be fair. Right in our world, we every, we think everything's got to be fair. Um, sometimes I I'll, I'll do this with our kids. You know, I'll I'll get um, you know, let's giving out you know potato chips or something, and um, you know for lunch, and I'm putting the chips out on everybody's plate. And we got four kids, so you know you got to evenly distribute everything, right? Uh, but but if, sometimes I like to do this uh, where I'll mess with one of my kids, and I'll give every you know the three of them three three of them like a good you know healthy normal portion of chips or whatever, and then the last one I'll just reach in and. I'll break off like a tiny little piece of chip, right? You guys ever done this? Dads, you do this kind of stuff, right? Okay, you mess with your kids a little bit, break off a tiny little piece and be like, here you go. Now, now what is the response of that particular child? And it has to be an older child, right? Someone that can, that can, that can appreciate this, or and not that they appreciate it, but, <laughs> but uh, someone, someone that, can, that can understand, right? How do they respond when I, uh, when I do that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They say, why, why thank you, Father? <laughs> this, this half a chip is more than I deserve, right? I'm sure a, a starving child in Africa would be, love to have this chip. No, they say, Dad, Dad, what are you doing? That's not... The other ten disciples are walking back behind Jesus and these two guys, and they're like, What? That's, that, I, and, and, it, and it doesn't matter with kids either. Whether you, I mean, whether the, res, the, the response is yes or no, if a, if a child asks for something that the other child determines is unfair, it doesn't matter that Jesus said, no, that's not mine to give. The other guys are like, huh? What? Who do you guys, I mean, they responded in a similar way that we would expect Jesus to have responded. Who do you guys think you are? It says they were very greatly displeased with James and John. So I'll ask the same question here. Why? Why were the other ten disciples greatly displeased? They wanted the seats. They wanted the seats. They, that's exactly right. They're like, man, we didn't think of that. That's a great question. Ultimately for the same reasons. 
Ultimately, the same heart problem that's fueling James and John asking this question is fueling them being greatly displeased with James and John. They say, that's not right. We, we wanted to do that. There's, there's, there's two seats, one on the left and one on the right. There's not six on either side. There's not enough room for all of them. And they realize that they're being left out. They were mad. They didn't ask first, that they were being selfish as well. Jesus, recognizing the heart problem that these disciples are demonstrating, He uses, He seizes, as He so often does, seizes the opportunity to once again teach them about selfless service and what true greatness looks like. So, selflessness is revealed by how we serve. Look at verse 42. But Jesus called them to Himself. He sees the reaction. He sees the disciples. He sees James and John's question, the reaction of the other ten. And He calls them to Himself. And He says, you, do, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. He says, that's how they do it, not us. He says, that's not how we're going to do things. And that, that's, that's, that's not how followers of Christ are going to act. He says, whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even, I mean, think about this, for even, he says, the Son of Man, Jesus' favorite way of referring to himself, he says, even the Son of Man himself, me, he says, did not come to be served. God himself in the flesh came down. We're about to celebrate this time of year. Jesus coming as a baby born in the manger. He came from his throne. He left it all behind. He had all the glories of heaven and he left it all. He came to be, not to be served. What did he come to do? He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He, he gives first the, the example the negative example, certainly, of, of the Gentile rulers, rulers who, he says, lord it over them. The second word that Jesus uses here, he says, that, you know that those who are considered rulers lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, which doesn't really sound all that bad. Um, but it's, and it's not a common word in, in the Greek. In fact, it looks like it only appears here and in the parallel passage, but it, it seems like it almost has the idea of a tyrannical rule. Of, of tyrannizing, ruling with an iron fist, being unkind, being lacking grace. He says that's how they do things, but that's not how we're going to do things. And then he gives these, this famous passage, the, the command here to serve. It, it's, it shall not be so among you. He says that's, that's not the way to greatness. I almost called this message tonight, Greatness Through Serving, because that's, that's at the heart of what Jesus is trying to do. He uses what, what's just transpired with the disciples. He uses what, what the, 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 the reaction of the ten, the question of James and John, to teach them that greatness is not through being great, being places of prominence, sitting on the right hand and left. That's, that's not the recipe for true greatness. He says, greatness comes through serving. 
And he describes two levels. He says, if you want to be great, serve. Verse 43, the word he uses there is diakonos, same word that we get the word deacon, right? To serve. Um, you know, it really, it's a, it has the idea of a, someone who serves tables, a household servant even. But then he actually takes it a step further in verse 44. He says, whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. And now that's a different word than he used in verse 43 for servant, slave of all. Um, he says, if you want to be first, be a slave. One, a slave, the, the word he used there is one who forfeits his own rights in order to serve any and all. One who forfeits his own rights. Is that what our t- society tells us to do today? Just give up your rights. No, everybody says, I've got to have my, I demand my rights. Everybody says, I have my rights. And Jesus calls us to forfeit our rights for his sake and to serve. But he didn't just tell us to do it. He did it. He, he, he showed us how to do it. And we have the example of the Son of Man. He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We're going to look here for just a moment at Philippians chapter 2, which I think probably are the, the, the most appropriate verses here on the example of Christ and service. And Paul starts here with, with he says, don't do this, okay? Don't be selfish. Verse 3, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not out, look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. As a follow-up and, and as an example, Paul says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, is, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. He take, took on the form of a bondservant. Coming in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. I want to focus just on those first two verses for, for a moment. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind esteem others better than yourself. Look not out, look at, oh man, look each of you, let each of you, excuse me, look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of of others. And Paul, in typical Pauline fashion, he says, put off. What does he tell us to put off? Pride. Selfishness. Pride. Pride. And what goes in its place? He doesn't, okay, and, and, and I was talking to the teens about this this morning. Like, he doesn't just say, don't do this. Like, like stop it, right? I mean, I, I'm preaching about selfishness tonight, okay? So, so if I just said, hey, folks, stop being selfish, so now you go home uh, this week and you say, and you wake up every morning and say, okay, well, Pastor Drew said, don't be selfish this week. I'm just, not, I'm not, I'm just gonna not be selfish. Is that gonna work? No, no it's not. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> We've tried, right? Well, just, just stop doing this. But Paul doesn't stop there. He, he, he gives us the command. He says, don't do that. He says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but instead do what? In lowliness of mind, esteem others as better than yourself. So instead of selfishness, what goes in its place? Esteeming others to be better than ourselves. 
Our tendency is to put ourselves first. You know, I, I don't know how it happens, but it, it doesn't matter where you get a box of pizza from. Wherever you go, the pizza is not going to be all the same, right? The pizza slices are going to be different sizes. And you're going to get down to those last two slices, and you're going to have one that's really small and one that's really big. And you got two people, and one of you, and you come to the, the box of pizza, and you, what are you going to do? It's a silly illustration, okay. But, but are you going to esteem others better than yourself? Are you, are you going to give preference to the other person? Are you going to say, oh boy, I better get that now. <laughs> I better snatch it. If you're dad, you probably say, I'm taking that big one, okay? I bought this pizza, right? Are you esteeming others better than yourself? But he says also that you look out for your own interest, for your, for not only for your own interest, which is okay. It's natural, right? We are support, certainly to look out for our own interest. But he says, but also for the interests of others. Serve. Serve one another. Put others before yourself. Jesus did. That's what he did. He put the world and everyone in this world ahead of himself. He set aside what he wanted and what, he want, what, what, what his desires were, and he, 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 he went to the cross on behalf, and he, he was putting everyone else. The desires of his heart were set aside, and he put everyone else ahead of him. He considered all of us to be more important than what he wanted. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And he's the ultimate example of the selfless humble service. So I just have a few questions for us to consider as we wrap up tonight. First of all, what are you seeking? The disciples here, they were seeking, your, they, their selfishness was, re, was revealed by the fact that they were seeking these places of prominence, right hand and left hand of, of Christ. This, this should sound familiar. I mean, what, what are your desires? Um, are you seeking self-promotion like these disciples were, or are you seeking heavenly things? If you are seeking to serve, then who are you serving? Are you serving the Lord, or are you serving yourself? You might be looking to serve, but you might be looking to serve yourself. What do you spend the most of your time on? I mean, what, what, when your mind goes to wherever it goes to, and there's nothing else right immediately occupying it, what is it that you're thinking about? What are you desiring? Um, what do you spend the majority of your time invested in? Are these things that, that promote God's kingdom or are the things that promote your kingdom? I have the theme there on the bottom of your handout. God's solution to, for selfishness is service. He wants selfish people to become serving people. Who are you serving, and then how are you serving? Just practically ask yourself, okay, what are the ways that I'm serving? Are, are, how am I putting others ahead of myself? I'm not just talking about here, okay? We think automatically mine might go to church, right? Serving at church. And that's not even really primarily what I'm talking about. How are you serving in life? How are you serving in your home? Um, how are you serving in your school? How are you serving in your workplace? What are, what are the practical steps you can take to serve those around you? That is the solution. That is God's solution for selfishness. He doesn't just say, don't be selfish. He wants us to go from being selfish to actually serving, to put, to, to put feet 
to what we're saying. Our goal ought to be to move from selfishness to service. The answer to our selfishness is not to get down on ourselves, to tell ourselves to stop being so selfish. The answer is to humble ourselves and get busy serving. And isn't there so much joy in that? Isn't there so much joy in serving? Isn't it, isn't it almost as if that's what God made us to do? Yeah. It's, more, it's way more fun. It's, it's more fun to serve. It's more fun. It's more fulfilling and more satisfying. You'll be a happier person. Sitting around thinking about yourself, that's no fun. But, but getting out and actually serving, finding that great, I mean, just great satisfaction for service and, and, in serving. And, and I think for most of us, I'll just, I'll, I'll finish with this. I think for most of us, we're, 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 it's not as if you're all selfish, okay? It's not as if I'm all selfish. I think there are parts of all of us that are selfish. And there are parts of us that are serving. We're selfish in some areas, we're selfish or serving in others. So ask the Lord, Lord, show me the areas where I'm being selfish. As I was wrapping this up this afternoon, as I typed those words, the Lord did. He will. And, and, and say, Lord, show me where I'm being selfish. And, and when he does, be willing to submit to his direction and be willing to put feet to it. Serve. Serve in, in that area, in that area that he identifies and says, okay, now here, here's, a, here's a place in your life that you're being selfish, and, and say, okay, you know what, that's an area that I can serve. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the, uh, the example of Christ. Lord, we, um, we desire to serve. We desire to be selfless. But Father, you know our hearts, and you know that we all struggle with selfishness. God, I pray that you would help each of us, Lord, that you would identify. Uh, give us hearts that, that want um, to serve. Show us the areas of our life. Identify the places where we are being selfish. And God, I pray.